Welcome to Success in Medicine. I'm Dr. Samir Desai. Today, I want to tell you about Leslie. I met Leslie a few years ago when she was attending medical school in the Caribbean. Leslie contacted me in October of her fourth year of medical school, October 24th to be exact. She contacted me because she was worried. Why was she worried? Up until that point, she had only received a single interview invitation for residency, just one interview. She was concerned that she would not get enough interviews. She wanted to match into internal medicine, but there was one problem. She had taken her USMLE Step 2 CK in early October. Her score was pending, and she thought it would be released in the next one to two weeks. She felt that the lack of having a Step 2 CK score was the main factor preventing her from securing interviews, especially as an international medical school applicant. Her plan was to update programs as soon as the CK score was released. She hoped to wow programs with an email in which she not only provided the score, but made a strong argument for why she would be a good fit for the program. In sending this communication, she hoped that programs would see her as someone who was very interested in their program, not just someone who had applied to their program because it was easy to do so. Was Leslie's plan a good approach? And could it help her secure more residency interviews? Her approach is certainly sound, but I told her that the email must be done well and contain information that programs are seeking. To give you an idea of what program directors like to see in such emails, let me share with you a quote from Dr. Tracy Clark. Dr. Clark is the program director of the pediatrics residency program at the Sinai Hospital in Baltimore, a program affiliated with both the University of Maryland and Johns Hopkins University. And I quote Dr. Clark, due to the volume of applications that we receive every year, it is tough to interview everybody we'd like to meet. To be honest with you, if we had identical applicants with similar statistics, but one was from Maryland and the other was from the West Coast, we are likely to lean towards the individual from Maryland. It is important for students to indicate on their application or through email communication why they may want to go to that specific program or be in that specific location if they are applying from outside the region or have no obvious connection to the area. Two things are important to note from Dr. Clark's advice in terms of content. One, if you have a geographical tie or connection to that area, it should be included in the email. Second, and this is very important, you must communicate your very specific interest in the program, and that should reflect what you have learned through your research of the program and how that fits with your background and interests. As one program director told me at a conference, and I quote, 
if I can tell you've put very little thought into contacting us, we are going to do the same. We are going to put very little thought into considering you. Now, let's get back to Leslie. At the time of our conversation, she told me that she had prepared a sample email, and she was wondering if I would take a look at that email and give her some feedback. I looked at her email and found a number of mistakes. Mistakes that I have seen time and time again in emails written by other applicants. Mistakes that have the potential to prevent you from getting what you want, an invitation to interview at the residency program. In this episode of Success in Medicine, I'll tell you what I found in her email. And you can use this knowledge to make sure the emails that you send to residency programs are in fact effective. Emails that send the following message, that you are someone that the program definitely needs to interview. But first, let's talk about the importance of communicating with residency programs. Every two years, the NRMP surveys residency program directors in different specialties, inquiring about the criteria used by programs to make interview decisions. There are 33 criteria that programs are asked to weigh in on and rate in terms of importance in the residency selection process. One of these factors is the applicant's perceived interest in the program. How important is this factor? In the 2016 NRMP survey, 61% of programs cited it as a factor used to make interview decisions. Respondents gave it a mean importance rating of 4.1 on a scale of 1 to 5, with 1 being not important and 5 being very important. There are many ways applicants can express interest in a program. The most common way is to express interest through email communication. What typically happens is that soon after applicants submit their residency applications, programs begin receiving emails from applicants expressing their interest. It starts off a bit slowly, but then quickly picks up steam. In fact, it's not at all unusual for programs to receive hundreds and hundreds of emails per day especially in the months of October and November. Unfortunately, many of these emails fail to achieve their intended effect. Leslie's email was one of them. My analysis of Leslie's email showed that it was lacking in different ways. Let me share with you what I found. Leslie opened her email with Dear Sir. I see a lot of emails that start with Dear Sir or Dear Madam. As a faculty member at the Baylor College of Medicine, I routinely get requests to join my research or hospital team from applicants, and quite often these applicants begin their emails with Dear Sir. Some applicants are under the impression that it is best to use Sir because of politeness. But if you want to make your communication personal, make this about their particular program, it needs to be Dear Doctor followed by their last name. Otherwise, it can easily feel like this is an email you're sending to every program. As I continued to read Leslie's email, I noticed the length of her email. 
Her email was 25 lines long. What's the problem with a 25-line email? It's simply too long. For programs that are receiving hundreds and hundreds of emails a day, emails of this length can easily be overwhelming, no matter how thoughtful or well-written they are. The longer your emails run, the less impact you're making with anything you've written. So an important part of analyzing your email is to ask yourself if everything you've written needs to be included. A useful technique is to ask the question, is this necessary? And to ask this question after you read every line of your email. This can be a very valuable exercise. What you'll find is material that you simply don't need. You'll be able to cut that material out, which will make your email much stronger and more powerful. What else struck me about Leslie's email? Not only was it 25 lines long, it was all one very long paragraph. It didn't look at all pleasing to the eye, and it looked like it would take a lot of work to read it. Her email message needed room to breathe. Leslie could have made it more attractive if she took what she had written and broke it up into several smaller paragraphs. That would have introduced some white space and made it look more visually appealing. This is similar to what we do with a CV. We make sure there is enough white space to enhance its overall look. One other area of concern in Leslie's email had to do with the reason for her correspondence. Leslie obviously had one goal in mind, to secure an interview. But that goal was buried in her email, and you had to read through a lot of text to find out the purpose of her email. And that's something that I see a lot in correspondence from applicants to programs. If your goal is to secure an interview, don't wait until the end of a very long paragraph to reveal this. Let the reader know early in the email, and then use the remainder of the email to provide the support that's necessary. Before you hit send, you must make sure that your email is free of any spelling or grammatical errors. That means no typos. That sounds obvious, right? And yet so many of these emails that are sent from applicants to programs contain these errors. In fact, Leslie had several such errors. If you're hoping to come across as an applicant who communicates well and is detail-oriented, qualities that of course are valued in residence, you'll have a hard time being perceived as such if you send emails with grammatical or spelling errors. To avoid this all too common occurrence, let me share with you an underutilized technique with respect to editing emails. And that is to save the email draft and then print it out. Now you'll be looking at it with what I call fresh eyes. You're no longer looking at it on your screen. When you look at something on a screen for a long enough period of time, you may miss things. Printing it out for review will give you a fresh perspective. As you're reviewing the email, read it out loud. Doing so will often lead you to catch things that you missed. Words that are missing, words that are misspelled, sentences that sound awkward. 
make note of what you find and then return to your computer to make those edits. I also took a look at Leslie's closing. She ended with cheers rather than using a closing that's more conventional like sincerely. Cheers might be appropriate for someone you know very well, but you are communicating with people in positions of power, people whom in all likelihood you don't know. So don't use something too informal like cheers. There's one last point I would like to share with you about sending emails. Have you ever clicked send on accident while you're in the middle of your email? Or maybe you completed your email but didn't have a chance to proofread it, but you sent it by accident. If you have, you know how easy it is to do that. And then you have to send another email apologizing for your last email, basically saying, I didn't mean to hit send yet. To avoid this from happening to you, don't enter the recipient's email address until you're finished with everything else. It's really the last thing you should do. Now that I've shared common errors in email communication from applicants to programs, I want to give you the bottom line. With programs receiving record numbers of applications, they are having a harder and harder time deciding whom to interview. Therefore, they will use everything at their disposal to make interview decisions. So a well-crafted email may certainly help open that door and get you the interview invite that you've been seeking. The opposite can also happen, and does quite often. An email with one or more errors may lead an applicant to be removed from consideration. That's how important these emails are. So use your email communication to show programs what an asset you will be to their department and hospital. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Success in Medicine podcast. For more detailed information on communicating with programs during the application process, remember to turn to our book, The Successful Match 2017. Additional resources are available at our website, thesuccessfulmatch.com. If you're enjoying the content of these podcasts, please do take a moment of your time to provide a review of the Success in Medicine podcast on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Best of luck to you in the residency match. Until next time, I'm Dr. Samir Desai.